Welcome into the Art Gibbs Sports Business Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And every so often, you have a brand, the name of something that really catches your attention. It tells you immediately how it's going to make you feel, what it's going to be like. And it's memorable. It's something you take with you. In this case, it's the Belgian Waffle Ride. In this growing community of gravel and off-road racing in the United States, the Belgian Waffle Ride series kind of stands apart. It's interesting. It's a memorable name. It's colorful graphics. It alludes to Belgium, perhaps the iconic beginning of competitive cycling, or at least one of the great traditions in competitive cycling of Belgium, and the great one-day races, Tour of Flanders, Liège, Best en Liège. These races that are part of Belgium, that are part of families going out and watching the races, people enjoying themselves, having a beer, having food, being with their family, and cheering on riders. It makes you feel that way. And the Belgian Waffle Ride here in the U.S. has been a great success. It's a big part of gravel cycling. And today we're lucky enough to have the founder of the Belgian Waffle Ride, Michael Marks, on the show. So without further ado, we'll send it over to that interview. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy. Today we're joined by Michael Marks, the uh, founder of the famous uh, Belgian Waffle Ride, the Gravel Series. Um, and I kind of just wanted to dig into some of that, uh, how it how it came about, maybe what um, what was sort of um, leading to the founding of that uh, Belgian Waffle Ride Series. Yeah, well, with a lot of things in life, it's uh, it's selfish. Um, I have Belgian heritage. At the time, I had a UCI pro card to race cyclocross, and I had been hired to to turn around uh, an eyewear company called Spy Optic, which was uh, publicly traded at the time, and they're in deep yogurt. So <laughs> I got I got hired um, as the president and CEO. Um, and so that first year I wanted to show the company, here's how we're going to reinvent this brand or get back to the original intent of the brand. And, you know, we, we were in cycling, we were in motocross, we were in surfing, we were across the action sports business. Um, but my idea was let's create an event that's really irreverent. That's kind of funny. It's got a silly name, but it's really effing hard. Um, and let's make a name for ourselves in terms of uh, brand positioning by offering this to the cycling world. So the first year I invited 118 notable cyclists, you know, Olympians and national champions. And, and I said, hey, if you enjoy this, tell all your friends. And then the next year they told all their friends and we had a lot of people, twice as many paid us to come and race. So the idea was build a marketing exercise that serves the brand, that makes money, that you turn around and give back into the brand. But all along, I had the idea that this was, I'm gonna build this as a brand. So that 10 years later, now it's almost 12 years later, I will have this brand, this brand will exist and it will have its own mythology its own iconography, its own story, 
or stories told by the people that do it. And it will be, I had wanted it to become like a very notable one day classic in the US. And it seems to have done that um, with the rising tide of gravel. And um, here we are now we have events all over and we're adding more events next year. And we have a big series and um, we're having a lot of fun nurturing this brand and we may even be in, in Europe next year. So a lot of fun stuff that started started as a branding exercise. Oh, yeah. So why did you choose uh, gravel versus, you know, you said you were in these other areas. What what attracted you to uh, gravel? Um, well, at the time, gravel didn't exist, but um, selfishly, I loved cyclocross, which is an hour race. Um, but I prefer seven hour races. So my thought was, why, why don't I try and create a seven hour cyclocross race, um, which, you know, happens to be gravel. And each year we've brought on more gravel and more sand and more barricades and uh, more craziness, more peddling perversity, if you will. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, gravel then became something uh, after that. And now we, we coexist harmoniously for the most part. Sure. So you think some of the, some or uh, some non-negligible percentage of the rise in gravel in the U.S. was driven by the, the Belgian waffle ride? You know, I or, don't like to say, I don't want to take credit for anything other than what our team has done to build this unroad racing, sure. which is some road, some gravel, some single track, some what the hell is this that I'm trying to ride my bike through? It's this uh, multi-surface thing that we call unroad that I think maybe we have ownership of that, or certainly we're on the pointy end of that. Um, we just happened to, at one of our events is a monument of gravel. There's only five monuments of gravel, and one of them is the event here in San Diego. Wow. And so what um, what kind of aspects of the race did you include or uh, that maybe separated from other races? You know, what what can the participants expect, you know, besides just a very hard race? Is there something that you, um, you know, besides sort of that the branding and positioning as Belgian, Belgian Waffle Ride, is there something, some components of it that you added uh, from the beginning as you're building them? Yeah, I, I think that there's a few things that set us apart or certainly juxtapose us from any of the other races. One is we don't announce the course until the week of the event to keep people guessing. Uh, and then in the lead up to the event, I release a sector one at a time. So a sector is like, it could be a kilometer long, it could be eight kilometers, it could be 10 miles. But each one of those is sort of an antagonist in the story. So I present the antagonist and say, here's who you, here's who you are up against. And I do it one by one by one until all of a sudden there's the formation of a course because people are paying attention. Well, that one's here, that one's here, that one's here. It looks like we're going here. Uh, and then on race day, we finally reveal the course to everybody much to their chagrin, surprise, or hopefully delight. Um, the other thing is, 
we feed everyone waffles and coffee before the race. And we feed everyone waffles and ice cream and beer after the race. And every year we also feed people food. Um, there's also like BWR San Diego, there's 10 or 11 feed zones. So we, we really have a lot, of, a lot of stuff out there on the course for people. And then we have CHP, you know, we have police officers present to guide riders. We have dozens of on support motos, whether it's motorcycles or support vehicles for neutral support or for aid. Um, so that's sort of this roving circus that happens. Um, we document the races really well with photos and then share them with everybody. Um, so all in all, it costs a fair bit. You know, our event costs as much as SBT or maybe not quite as much as Unbound or other events, but say Unbound doesn't give you, they don't mark the course. We overly mark the course. They don't really give you aid on, on the course, right? We give tons of aid. Um, so I think these things set us apart. Plus there's a certain attitude to our race that um, you won't find anywhere else. It's still irreverent. It's still kind of crazy. We celebrate the insanity of our type of gravel racing. Um, and we celebrate a lot of different riders. So we have awards not only for the winners, but for the king of the mountain, for the king of the sprint, for the hard men and hard women. We also have a spiritual award, that's the kudos award, that we give out to the person that brings the most spirit or persons that bring the most spirit uh, to the event. And then we also have the attacker award for the most aggressive rider on both male and female. Plus this last year, we had the largest prize purse for a gravel race in history. Um, so it's a lot of different things, um, but they're all related to the brand and the brand voice and the brand delivery. Sure. It's a branding. So, yeah, exactly. So the, the brand and that kind of ethos that you're talking about, maybe take us a little bit inside. Why Belgian Waffle Rider? How did that come about that maybe specifically that name and, and what sort of, uh, attracted you to that ethos? Because I, I do think that really sets it apart. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Th thank you. It's two things. One, um, there's a friend of mine, Dave Yeager, who every year for decades put on an invite only race called the French Toast Ride. And that was in Ventura, California. And you just hoped that you would get on the invite list. You know, it's just, with a great bunch of bike racers. Uh, and it was small, like the most it would be is 30 people. And the Jaeger family would serve French toast before and after, and you'd eat sandwiches and drink beer and tell stories. And I asked Dave the year before I started BWR, I was like, hey, you know, I'm Belgian. Uh, I love waffles and Belgian ale and Belgian chocolate. What if, what if I, took your familial thing and amplified it and made it really big and then really big and called it the Belgian waffle ride, the BWR. Would you be okay with that? He's like, Oh, hell yeah. And he actually came down and did it with us. And uh, that was the beginning of it. And, and that I took that familial sort of 
love fest mirrored or married with a very hard bike race and um, turned it into this unique unroad thing that uh, has all the trappings of the things I just previously mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. And it's, you know, Belgium being, you know, kind of the home of cycling in a sense, and you see it in European cycling, you know, like with the tour de France, it's very, it is that, you know, it's families out and about it's crazy people partying on the mountains. It's all of this stuff around the race and it's very accessible to everybody. And it's sort of this huge party. And then the, the serious business in the middle sort of takes care of itself. And, you know, in the U S you know, there's, there's not as many of those types of environments that really, you know, kind of celebrate the zaniness around the edge. And then the serious business in the middle will sort of take care of itself. Um, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So that you said, you know, it initially kind of started with this brand. You were trying to help the brand do something that could really get more visibility and make money. Um, how has that morphed and changed over time? What is the Belgian Waffle Ride's relationship with brands? Maybe some of the competitors' relationships with brands. How has that kind of developed over time? Well, I would say when it was underneath the spy umbrella, there was a bit more of a surf meets cycling vibe and um the aid stations we used to have women in bikinis and boys in speedos and um they were fun you know there'd be like little miniature pools you could jump into and lavender spritzes and um like riders would come up and go oh my god what is going on here <laughs> And then, you know, a few years into that, I think they wanted to cancel us because they felt like we were um, being exploitive of the young boys and the young girls or not young, but, you know, the 20 somethings that were out there uh, scantily clad at the feed zone. So that changed once we left the spy brand. But yeah, um, now we have, you know, business relationships with some of the best brands in the business and we're partners through and through and we do a lot of things together and they support them and we support them they support us and we support them and the riders and we try to create a showcase where they get a lot of fanfare a lot of pr a lot of media coverage um, and we do our best to shine a spotlight on each one of our partners through our rather large email database and our social media following and couple those things into telling the stories of the brands and their athletes. Um, and now we're really moving into a phase where we're looking at title sponsorships across all the series with non-endemics and um, presenting sponsors at each one of the locations. So it's blossomed in terms of partnerships and sponsorships, but it really comes down to can you tell a great story that's captivating? Can you help tell the athlete's story? Um, and can you inspire people in ways that they haven't been inspired to want to get out and reach, grow, um, and aspire to new heights through doing something really hard, like a 140 mile bike race. That's more like doing a 200 mile bike race. Sure. Yeah. I want to inspire people to do more and get out of their comfort zone. Sure. And what, um, 
I guess, especially as far as the front end of the race, what, what has happened with teams? Have there been uh, teams that form or teams that want to come race or um, has it mostly been these individual kind of privateers coming out on their own to do this, this tough race? Yeah, that's a great question. We've had certain teams come and try and play their team tactics. But what's interesting is those privateers, they all sort of know the game and they know each other and they know really who the threats are. They will work together as a team, the privateers. They'll be in concert, even if it's implied, to nullify the efforts of certain teams that send riders down the road um, or, you know, are otherwise attacking and doing interesting things like we see in the Tour de France. So far, the teams haven't been able to really do anything. It's the privateers going up against each other. And I think that's more romantic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So where do you see um, kind of the future of gravel in the U.S. and the future of, of the Belgian waffle ride uh, along with that? Well, I'm, I'm really hopeful that riders have a whole host of great events to attend um, and that we are amongst those and we'll continue to pro provide our unique experience, our unique unroad experience compared to like just being in gravel for 100 or 200 miles. Um, our race is ever changing and I think that that's exciting to people like the dynamic of our race there's no other race like it i mean imagine you're doing 35 on the road and then all of a sudden you come into a four or five mile single track that's very hard to pass another rider um and then you're back on the road you're back on gravel and then all of a sudden there's a sand section that can create havoc there's always something to worry about in our race other than just the length of the race so I think that's important for our offering in terms of a branded juxtaposition to everyone else. There are a lot of gravel races too on the calendar, and I don't think a lot of them provide the value of some of the more established, well-run ones. So I hope some of those go away so that riders can choose from a better offering. It's sort of like this, here's all this fruit there's some spoiled peaches in here. Let's let's get <laughs> spoiled peaches and have millions of peaches, peaches for free for, you know, um, for people to choose from rather than a ton of events, some of which aren't that great. Um, but in terms of gravel, I hope there's still a rising tide there. But for us now, we're going to Canada and Mexico and Europe and more places in the US. I know there's a lot of places on the planet that could really celebrate our type of dynamic racing and offer a great destination for people to go to a very challenging course and, and a unique experience. So we're going to continue to partner with municipalities uh, and other uh, um, sponsors to bring our unique offering across the globe. Sure. That, that's fantastic. Uh, what about video? Where, where does that fit into this? TV, video, 
broadcasting the race, I know you've done some storytelling documentaries within it, that kind of stuff. Where do you see that? Is there a, you know, are, are we going to watch on TV or where, where do we kind of see, see that going? Yeah, good question. Um, I have a history in the past of uh, storytelling, um, media, filmmaking, TV shows, because um, I used to work in media. So I worked on a daily action sports TV show called Blue Torch back in the day that was, you know, skateboarding and surfing and freestyle motocross. Um, and then I've made a number of films in the surf industry, made a number of films in uh, skateboard. And so I've, I've taken that affinity that I have for that type of storytelling. And we've made a lot of BWR films over the years. And some of them have gotten a lot of coverage uh, just uh, online. We've done a number on cable, many of them on Amazon Prime. This last year we did one with Outside TV, so it was on cable. So that was a feature film on Outside TV and a number of other places. Um, and that type of storytelling is certainly something we will continue to do in myriad ways. We also have a media arm that we've just launched called Unroad Unlimited that does and will do all the pre-race interviews, post-race interviews, as well as the IG live stories, Facebook and okay. IG. Yeah. So what we do is we send people out there and then we're just constantly posting so people can watch the race. Um, we had considered doing, you know, like, I guess Flow Bikes has done a number with um, some of the other events, but they've struggled so much to actually capture the race that mostly you're just listening to a commentator and never actually watching the race happen. That's not very appealing to us. We want to be able to have it be almost real, you know? The, we call it unlive, but it's just like, you know, it's pretty much happening right now and we're showcasing it to you. The only thing that gets in the way of that is sometimes you're in a place with no cell coverage at all. So you can't post it in real time like you would. So we're working on getting uh, satellite phones that will enable us to be able to do it in real time throughout all of the events that we do. And we think that's important, that live race day coverage. But we also really like telling that story after the fact and producing a feature that millions of people can watch around the world and go, wow, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's fantastic. Well, um... Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add, uh, you know, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to uh, say or you, that you've got in, in development? I know you've talked about some of it already, but is there anything to kind of wrap up you'd like to discuss? No, I'm, I'm just excited about things like collaborating with tire companies to create specific tires for our type of event. Um, and working with other, you know, industry partners to create branded product that looks cool to me, at least uh, helmets and sunglasses and things of that nature. Um, and then we've launched an apparel brand, too. So we'll be doing all the apparel, all the kits, the cycling kits and T-shirts and hoodies and stuff for our events, too. So that's another side project that um, 
is in concert with doing all these events across the globe. That, that's, that's a really exciting. Yeah, that's interesting. So you think that even the technical, like the products that are out there are not um, totally geared towards your unique event, that there might be tires or different bike components or things that would be, that would better serve riders doing that type of riding? Yeah, or just continuing on the branded theme, like here's sure. a really sharp looking cargo bid short from BWR that's incredibly comfortable uh, and you can stick your gels and phone and, sure. and everything else that you need in there. Um, and then, you know, whether it's, whether it's reinventing or augmenting an existing tire tread or something based on a specific course, these are all ideas that we're working on with certain partners. Um, there's, there's amazing opportunities to do co-branded stuff and we're always excited when other brands want to do that with us. Yeah, that's great. Well, where can people go to uh, sign up or find out more information about these races? Yeah, belgianwafflerideride.bike. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and we really appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. And they can follow us on Belgian Waffle Ride Instagram. And then uh, Unroad Unlimited is also on Instagram on an, and on YouTube. So if someone wanted to see the, the past videos and sure. all the stuff that we've done, Unroad Unlimited on YouTube has all of it. And there's a treasure trove of really fun stuff in there. Okay, great. Yeah, and I'll include some of those links uh, in, in the uh, episode as well. Right on. Well, thank you. Thank you.